guys, welcome to today's podcast. My name is Sarah, I'm a BCBA, and this is the channel Your ABA Help. I'm so happy to have you guys here. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice I am not in my normal space. I moved my office in my house to a different room. So for now, for today, you get a sad beige wall, but I will make sure it's a little bit better next week. I thought about moving, I have a giant print of Starry Night. And I thought about moving that over here so you at least have that to look at, but that was a little too much. We'll work on it though. But I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in this week. And sorry about last week. I definitely dipped out without saying anything. I wish I had social media so I could tell you guys that like, hey, I'm not going to be uploading this week. But everything just got a little too much because of the audit that I have for my company it was taking up all of my time, which I did pass that audit 98%. So I'm really excited about that. It just took forever and I did not have time to make this podcast, but I am back on track this week. The video is up and we'll be continuing our weekly uploads. If you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, make sure you check that out because I'm going to be uploading, should be within the next few days, um, the day of my life as a virtual BCBA. I'm just finishing editing that one. This will be super cool. I'm also going to be working on uploading employee versus independent contractor. That one I've been working on for a little bit. Um, that one will be coming up in the next you know, week or so as well. Super exciting. For today though, we are going to be talking about IOA data collection. I know this is a big kind of like scary one for the exam because there's a lot of like formulas to measure. And I remember coming across IOA and I was like, the heck? I became a BCBA because I suck at math and I love psychology, but like I suck at math. So now I have to do math on the exam. But I promise you, it's not that hard once you get them down and you figure out a way to kind of categorize and memorize them. We're going to talk about how to do that. Once you get it down, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. I did want to know, on the exam, you do get a calculator. Usually it's on the computer. I haven't heard of like a physical calculator, but you'll get like a little calculator on the computer. I know that's always a big question. And you also get like a paper. Mine was like a laminated piece of paper, like kind of like a dry erase board, but it was just get a laminated piece of paper where you can like do the math on if you need to like write it down and then like use your calculator whatever works for you but IOA is something that I would be comfortable with know the most common IOA formulas know the basics of them how to do them memorize the formulas and then move on you don't need to know too much beyond applying them a quick little study tip here regarding like IOAs and these like complex like very um detailed concepts that require a lot of memorization, a lot of practice to learn for the exam, but you don't really need to know that much for real life. Like IOA, like you can Google it when you're in the field and you're dropping. You can look up what's the IOA or what's the simplest IOA or what's the IOA formula for this or that. You can look that up and it's definitely not a big deal. You can play around in your practice like what IOA formula you want to use. It's not something you have to have memorized. It's more of just being familiar with, but for the exam you do. So, you know, like I was cheering earlier this week and we were talking a little bit about how choose, pick and choose what you're committing to and you're learning. So if you're going to spend hours learning IOA formulas, you're going to not have hours to learn something else. Like you have to, you're only one person, you only have so many hours for studying. So if IOA is something that you want to commit to, memorize and make sure you get those questions right on the exam, commit to it and memorize every single formula, whereas if you're not that worry about IOA, but you really want to commit and learn those compound schedules, you feel like, you know, that's going to be a little bit more important on the exam, then commit to that, spend all the time, only spend a little, you know, a few hours on IOA, get comfortable and familiar with it, and then move on. 
pick and choose your battles essentially. So focus where you can. You're only one person. If that makes any sense. I hope it does. Um, but essentially what I'm saying, I always decide if you want to commit and just know them perfectly for the exam or maybe just be familiar. It's up to you. We're going to be talking about all the information I always, the formulas, how to do them, mostly how to study them. So obviously you guys know how to do a formula. They're pretty, the formulas are pretty simple. I'm going to give you guys some links in the description box. Um, if you're watching on the podcast, it'll be kind of in that podcast explanation box as well. There are some great handouts and free resources for you guys to kind of study and practice IOA formulas with. You just need to practice them. Memorize which formula goes to which. Practice. You're going to do great. It's going to be all good. But we're going to talk today about kind of how to study them and memorize them. How to categorize them, if you will. So first up, what is IOA? IOA is the Inter-Observer Agreement. The purpose of IOA is to see what I'm taking data on, what I'm observing as the behavior, is what you are taking data on, observing as behavior. But I find that most big companies aren't doing IOA data because it takes time. It's um, it's an extra thing that can be really hard to incorporate, but I do encourage you to try to do it, at the very least in an informal method, just ensuring what you're counting as behavior is what your therapists are also counting as behavior. And I've talked about in previous podcasts how when we're being technological and we're ensuring all of our steps are clear and that we have a, you know, be- when we have our behavioral definition that is clear, concise, and complete, we want to make sure that it is understandable by all parties and what I see as, you know, a flop or a kid, you know, clapping their hands is what that therapist sees as well. Then when we're mastering these skills out and putting in these new skills, Everybody's agreeing the kids are still learning our data is correct. When we're telling parents, yep, your kid knows how to do this, we could all agree that that kid knows how to do that because we're all seeing the same behavior. It just brings that light. And it's like that major thing that really sets our field apart from other fields. It really brings that scientific angle to it, the collaboration and ensuring what we're doing is worthwhile. You can have more than one person for IOA as well. So it could be myself, it could be my coworker or my supervisor and the therapist. We're all taking IOA data to make sure we all agree among each other. That's totally possible. Um, the duration of IOA data is going to vary. So it could be 10 minutes, it could be an hour, it could be the entire session. It really depends on your goals what you're taking IOA data on. So you're going to want to pick one behavior. So let's say it's flopping. We're going to do IOA data on flopping. You would want like the IOA data for a separate behavior on a separate chart because we want to make sure we're agreeing on that one behavior. So if there was five flops in that hour, I agree that there's five flops in that hour. And then we'd go down and whatever kind of IOA data we're taking. It's very open in that way. You're covering out based on your needs. You'll see it a lot in research because, again, it's that scientific approach of ensuring that we have that kind of second layer of checking. So you'll see it in those research papers quite a bit as well. If you're curious on like what IOAs could look like in practice, you can look at some research papers as well. Today for the IOA formulas that we're going to talk about is total count, partial agreement. You have exact count, trial by trial, total duration, mean duration per occurrence, interval by interval scored interval and unscored interval. 
lots of them. We're gonna be talking about what formulas are kind of similar, the same, which ones aren't, um, how to kind of group some of those together because memorizing, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different formulas is gonna be a lot. So we'll talk about that. I find that two easy ways to categorize these, you have two different options, is by the data collection method, in which formula you could use for that data collection method, or by formulas, which one, like which formulas are similar, you group those ones together. So if you wanted to do it by the data collection method, so for event recording, so if we're using like frequency data for like our flopping, we say there's five flops an hour, that's gonna be event recording, we know that. That one, you could use total count, you could use partial agreement, mean count per interval, you could use exact count per interval, trial by trial. So again, event recording, you have total count, mean count, exact count, trial by trial, partial agreement. Those are gonna be the ones you're gonna be using for the event recording data collection. Now, if you have timing, so a duration, and so if you're tracking how long they're flopping for, so if I say they're flopping for five minutes and the therapist saying they're flopping for two minutes, that's our IOA data in actions showing that disagreement. In order to measure timing, you're gonna be using total duration and mean duration per occurrence IOA formulas. And then for intervals, so if we're, we're doing like a plus or a check or a yes, that flopping did occur. So like if we were using um, partial interval data and we just had a check or an X on if it occurred every five minutes and I'm doing the same thing, you're doing the same thing, and then we're gonna look and see if our checks and pluses or whatever agree. For that, you would use the formulas exact agreement, interval by interval, by interval and scored and unscored. So you can work on memorizing that. You can come up with little sayings. I, if you want to go that route, I would definitely recommend taking the first letter of each like formula and having an exact count or frequency um, and trying to come up with some way to have like an acronym or some kind of saying in your head. I know there are a few out there. Uh, try to come up with some way that you can just recall it. And remember... If you can get one of those major categories down and memorized, like I know event recording is this formula, this formula, that one, that one, you know what timing is because it's going to have duration or timing in it, then you will automatically be able to kind of recall the, the last one because it's going to be your only options left when you're looking at your four choices on the exam. Something to consider, you don't have to memorize each one, just use that kind of process of elimination. If that works for you, might not. Gotta try and study. Good luck. In um, the links that I included in the description box, there are there there is like a package of um, IOA practice questions. So try some out, memorize these, and see which method kind of works for you on recalling all this information. But definitely practice it for sure. And then our other option is you can group them together by similar formulas. So what I mean by similar formula is um, like. You might, for one observer and the other observer, you might add up the column. So for observer one, I might add up all the checks and pluses, and I might put that over the other observer, and that might be one of the formulas that we do. Or another option is you do it line by line, depending on the formula. So the way you would approach this question is going to be similar regardless of the data collection methods. So we're grouping it up by how do you gather your data, and we'll talk about what that looked like in a second. But we're gonna group those formulas together, the ones that you can group together, 
are total count, total duration. So we're doing the exact same thing for those. So it's different data collection methods, but that's okay. The way you're gonna get your answer is the exact same. So for like total count, you're gonna add up all the columns. You're gonna get your number. Add up all the other columns, get your number, and then you're gonna put your first number over the second and you get your percentage. A few times about 100. Same thing for total duration, you would add up all the time, add up all the time, put that number over the other number, get your percentage. So same approach, same formula. So whatever works for you in memorizing that, so you know total count, total duration are gonna go together. And then you know that scored and unscored, you're gonna have the same approach on the data. You're just gonna be looking at what's the question asking, what's the observer agreement for a scored IOA. That you would take the scored formula and you know that's the exact same or the opposite of the unscored and you would implement that one into the question and that's how you would know which IOA to use. The question is going to ask you. And then you have exact agreement, trial by trial, interval by interval are going to be the same as well. Same way that you're going to have the same approach to get your numbers, same type of formula. You're just going to use it differently based on the question. And then you have mean count and mean duration. And this will all make a little bit more sense once we uh, practice it and I tell you kind of how to do it, what these look like, all that. Okay, our first one is total count IOA. This one is the simplest. This is the most straightforward one. And remember, total count and total duration are the exact same formulas here. But for total count, you're going to be using that one for... But for total count, you're going to be using that one for a recording yeah whereas total duration is going to be for your duration data for total count what you're going to do for that one is you are going to take you have let's say in this situation in every situation from here out you have your therapist and you have yourself you're taking IOA data your therapist is column one yourself is column two so let's say they're taking paper data or you know if they're using a data collection method you can see what their data is at the end of the day maybe, and you compare your data at the end of the day or if you're doing it for an hour, however you decide you lay out your parameters, whatever it is. Let's say we're doing it by sessions, four-hour session. You take their data. After that four-hour session, you look at your data. Their data is column one. Your data is column two. For a total account, you're going to take column one and you're going to add up all of those. So if they had, let's say we're doing flopping, they had five flopping for the first hour, 10 flops the next hour, two flops, hour three, and five flops for hour four. You would add all those numbers up. You'd get your total number, total count, and then you would take your column, column two, add all those up. So let's say in column one, it added up to 15. In your column, added up to 20. You're going to take the smaller number over the bigger number. So if my number was smaller than the therapist's number, I would take my number first. That would be in the numerator spot, that top spot. So if it was, you know, if my number was 10 and theirs was 15, I would do 10 divided by 15. If theirs was 15 and mine was 10, still the same way, 10 divided by 15, okay? I'm gonna grab my phone calculator because you'll never meet somebody that's worse at math than me. <laughs> the basics I struggle with. So let's say we had 10 divided by 15. So column one was 10, column two was 15. We added those up, you're gonna divide them. So I got 0.666666. You're gonna times that by 100 because we have to get into a percentage. All IOAs are reported as a percent, right? So times 100, 
and bam, we got 66.66666 repeating. For the exam, you have your four choices. You're going to round up to like that even number. We're not gonna do decimals typically. So you're gonna do 67% agreement for total count or total duration. Same thing for time. So this is like five and a half minutes divided by 10 minutes. Same thing, you're gonna have your agreement. So like that is 0.55 times by 100 would be 55% agreement. You report that in the same way. For Iowa data, you can have 100%, so I can agree with you 100%. And if our like intervals or, or like, you know, hour by hour that we did is different for everyone, it doesn't matter as long as those two numbers end up being the same. And that's why total count is the most inaccurate because we didn't agree on any of the intervals over the course of the hour. But it doesn't matter because our numbers are identical. That gives 100% Iowa saying that we agree 100% the data was perfect. Can you have 0% for IOA data? You could, column one was zero and then you had five, let's say, cause you know, zero divided by five is gonna be zero, right? Yeah. <laughs> you could, in theory, have 0% IOA. Now, a little number you're gonna remember, the typical, and there's literally no like good solid research or rhyme or reason to this, but what Cooper says is like the typical accepted IOA is 80%. Once you start getting any lower agreement than 80%, so like 60, 70, you know, 50%, that's not good. You want to work on that. 80% is generally okay. Some sources also cite at 85% is a little bit better, but again, these are just people kind of saying numbers. In field of ABA, we love 80% for some reason. <laughs> we love that number. So a little rule of thumb if that's a question you get asked or if you're wondering what's the decent IOA like obviously we want 100% every time like that would be great but that's not gonna happen 80% though is acceptable and talk about the ones where you're gonna go hour by hour so line by line rather than column by column before we were adding up all of you know therapist ones and all of mine now we're gonna do it therapist one and observer one in that first hour we would add up or however the data set up. Remember that? This is just an example. So first hour, you know, I had, or the therapist had five, I had 10. We would look at those two numbers and depending on which formula you're using will depend on kind of what you do with that number. So for partial agreement within interval IOA, you're going to take that percentage. Partial agreement within interval IOA is used to find the average agreement per interval. So per interval is the per row of data or per like sections. It's gonna be like per hour in our example. So every hour we'd be comparing that interval. It could be every, you know, depending on how the question set up, could be every like five minutes, could be every trial, depending on what that interval is. The question should clearly define what an interval is. It's usually laid out in a standard kind of like T-chart style. Partial agreement, you're gonna have two steps. The first step is going to be finding that percentage for each line, each interval between the two observers. So let's say the therapist and the BCBA in this example. So you would look at the therapist data, the BCBA data, and you would divide the smaller number by the bigger number to get your percent agreement. Then make sure obviously to get percentage that you're timing it by 100, and then you're gonna do your second formula. So you go by each line and you have, you know, say interval one, there was one flop. So you're going to go by each line and you would have their percentage of agreement. So, you know, if I 
my therapist had one flop and I had two flops, we'd have a 50% agreement because one divided by two is going to be 50%. And in the next line, if the person had two flops and I had three flops, two divided by three is going to be 67%. Yeah, 67%. And you go all the way down for each line and you do that. So then at the end, you're going to do your second formula with all those percentages that you've created. So then you take the sum of all the percentages, you add them all up, and then you divide that by the total number of intervals. So let's say you add it all up and you have 650%. You're gonna take that percentage and you're gonna divide it by your total number of intervals. So let's say we had eight intervals. So you do 650 in this example, divided by eight would put you at, that gives us 81 and a quarter percent. So you're gonna round that to a whole number, which is quarter, so 0.25 and round that down to 81 and that would give 81% agreement. That's how you do the partial agreement within intervals, IOA data. A quick little note that mean count per interval is the exact same thing as partial interval within or partial agreement within intervals. Those are used with the same formula. And then also we have mean duration per interval same formula in there. So you're going to go through each line. So let's say you have five seconds in one line. I have six seconds on my line one. We would go five divided by six and you'd have your percentage and then you go to the next line. So even if it was 55 minutes and 50 seconds, you're still going to take my 56 minutes and 10 seconds. You're going to divide that just the same. Even if there's like decimals in the numbers and all that, you're going to divide it the same. You end up with your column of percentages. And then you would add up all of those percentages and divide it by total number of intervals. Just the same. The mean ones or the partial interval within or partial agreement within interval ones are going to be the most strict ones. All right, up next we're going to do exact agreement, trial by trial, and interval by interval. All of those formulas are going to be done exactly the same. It's just going to be dependent on which data set you're presented with. Is it trials? Is it interval? Is it checks and pluses? That's going to kind of determine which of those formulas you're going to use, but it's all the exact same. So if the question was asking which IOA you should be using, then you'll need to know based on the data collection method, which IOA to use. But if it's just asking for the IOA, you just can use this one formula for all of them. You're good to go. And then exact agreement, trial by trial, interval by interval is slightly more stricter than total count, but it's by no means the strictest. It's just if we're kind of having that progression, this one is next it's a little bit more stringent in its ILA outcomes. For exact agreement, you're going to be looking at the numbers. So you're not adding anything. You're not, there's no math involved in this. All you're going to do for exact agreement, and this is the same thing for interval and trial by trial, but just again, depends on what the data collection is. For exact agreement, you're going to have numbers. So let's say, you know, in an example we keep bringing up for flopping, I, my, my therapist has five flops and I have 10 flops. We did not agree. So they had five, I had 10, that is not the same number. That is going to be kind of like an X or a no or a not agreeing. The next one, they had one flop, I had one flop, we're agreeing. And the way this would look if it was a, in like a trial by trial. So let's say we are doing like match trying, matching. So we would say like this trial is correct and that trial is incorrect. Or if you're doing like partial interval data and we were recording whether, whether that behavior occurred in that interval or didn't occur in that interval, 
does that plus match my plus? Do we both agree that that behavior happened in that five minute interval, let's say? If I had a plus and they had a minus, it did not agree. So the way you're gonna do this formula is you're gonna go down through, let's say all eight intervals, and you're gonna see, all right, they agreed, they didn't agree, they agreed, they didn't agree, they agreed, they agreed. You're going to take the total number of agreements divided by total number of intervals. To get that number, you're going to times it by 100, make a percentage, and that will give you your agreements. Let's say in our example of eight trials, there was four numbers that were the same and the other four we disagreed on line by line. Give us four over eight, that would give us 50% IOA. Not great, but that's the answer. Don't let any like new type of data collection method trip you up. If it's telling you or asking you to do a trial by trial um, interval, make sure there's trials involved. Make sure those little things are there and that you can do that. Make sure, you know, it's not like a duration because there might be like a spot in the question. I have no idea, but there could be a spot in the question that's like unable to do this or don't have enough information or something like that or information is correct or something like that. So watch out for something like that maybe. Okay, and then scored and unscored IOA work pretty similar, but a little bit different. You have to think about a little bit differently in your brain. So scored, again, you're gonna go line by line and you're gonna see which ones have where the BCBA and the therapist or the two observers are agreeing. So scored means they both scored on that line and you put yes, they agreed. So that would be one. Now, if I put yes, the behavior occurred and my therapist put no, the behavior didn't occur, then that would not be an agreeance. So you wouldn't count that in your formula. So that wouldn't be a, a check or anything. If we were going line by line, first line, the therapist put no, behavior didn't occur, I put yes. So we don't count that. Next line, we both put that the behavior occurred, we both had pluses, so we can count that, that would be one. Next line, the therapist put that it didn't occur and then I put that it didn't occur. We don't count that. Next line after that, we both said that the behavior occurred, that would be two. So let's say the rest, we didn't agree that the behavior occurred. Um, even if we both agree that the behavior didn't occur, we still don't count it for the score. That's what makes it different. So for the score means we're both agreeing that that behavior occurred and we both scored it as occurring. Those two things have to happen and then we can count it. So this example, there's only two instances where behavior occurred and we both agreed that the behavior occurred. Now, if I thought the behavior occurred and they didn't, that doesn't count. It has to be both people. So in this example, we have two, we have eight intervals or eight trials. So two divided by eight would be 25% after you times by 100. Remember, if we both agree that it didn't occur, that still doesn't count. The opposite is true for unscored. So remember, just think about that name, unscored. So for unscored IOA, if we both agree that that behavior did not occur, that would count as one, two, three, depending on how many that we both agree that the behavior did not occur. If we both agree that the behavior did occur and we were doing unscored IOA, that doesn't matter. That wouldn't count because the type of data collection that we are using for IOA. And remember for like unscored, it doesn't matter if I said the behavior occurred and you said the behavior didn't occur because we have to agree that the behavior didn't occur because it's unscored IOA. I hope that makes sense. Like I said, use what's in the description box to put face to these and see them. 
So that way you can practice them. And once you've practiced them, you've got it. They're pretty straightforward. Just making sure you know which one goes where, how to do them, group them together as you need, whatever makes the most sense to you, and you've got it. So to kind of recap here, we have our total count IOA that is the least strict, and then we have on the other side of the kind of spectrum is the most strict, which is gonna be that partial agreement with intervals slash mean count per interval, so those are used interchangeably, slash our mean duration, so for the ones that have that timing, you're gonna use this one per occurrence. So we have those two in the opposite ends, and then sprinkled in the middle, we have our exact count, we have our interval by interval, trial by trial, and then a little bit more strict, we have our scored and unscored. So we've got kind of four different sets to remember there. Um, they're similar in all their different ways, so however you want to group it up together and it helps you memorize it, go for it. But that's what it's going to look like. Definitely find your resources, practice this one, it might be kind of hard to hear me explain it. You can tell me how to do this formula and explain it to me what to do with all the numbers you guys know ioa you're gonna be ready for that exam so if this all made sense to you then you're doing great don't stress next we're gonna talk about reliability validity and accuracy these three terms are so difficult to separate from each other until you get it and it makes sense and i'm gonna help it make sense i do want to say that jessica has a really good video on this that i used when i was trying to study and understand these i'll have it linked below as well i really enjoyed that video super quick overview of it so i'm going to give a similar recap overview and give you some examples of applying these three terms and how they are involved with ioa and then we'll also do a little Q&A at the end of the IOA. So we can give you some time to kind of let that stuff sink in your brain from it. We're going to talk about these three terms and then we'll do a little Q&A for you. And then we're going to be all done with this podcast for today, guys. Okay. First up, we've got validity. The definition for validity is measure has validity when it yields data directly relevant to the phenomenon measured and to the reasons measuring it. Think about how we use this word when we say something is valid. Your argument is valid. That's validity. I find it really helpful for these three terms to use it without the, the itty-bitties on them. So valid, accurate, and reliable. I find if we just change out those words, these make a lot more sense. So valid, is our data valid? So are we measuring what we're intending to measure? Are we measuring the correct thing that we're trying to measure? A good example that I run into a lot with uh, newer RBTs and newer behavior techs is making sure they're measuring the correct targets. So if we are doing manding, make sure they're truly measuring manding, not manding and tax. So if you have a case with loss to just label things, making sure your data is valid, that the therapists are measuring what they're supposed to be measuring. I find this one a lot with steps and gross motor imitation. So do they really know those SDs and how those programs are supposed to be ran? Is your data valid? Next, we have accuracy. Accuracy is accurate. Is your data accurate? This one, accurate, can also be kind of thought of as like predictable. Is your data accurate? So it doesn't have to be correct. It doesn't have to be valid. But is it accurate? This one kind of has two parts to it. So you have your expected true value so example i have for you is a bag of cookies that you know i get like the the chips ahoy cookie like sleeve or package like those snack cookies and it says there's gonna be 10 cookies in there is it accurate in that there is 10 cookies in there or is there five cookies 
is there six cookies or is it just missing one? Is it accurate in saying that it's 10? And same thing in the real life clinical example, if we're tracking flops and I say that there's 10 flops have happened, am I accurate? Did 10 flops actually happen or is it my observed value? So you have your true value and your observed value. True value is what truly happened, regardless of whether you recorded that or not, but there truly is supposed to be 10 cookies in there. The observed value is what you gathered. So I counted nine cookies or I counted nine flops when there was truly 10 flops. So you got your observed value and your true value. This matters for IOA quite a bit because when we're talking about what actually happened, what the data should actually be, and is it accurate to what's really happening or is our data that we are writing down or our observed data incorrect? And then reliability, is it reliable? So are we gonna get nine cookies in that package every single time, is it reliable? Let's say a classic example is weighing yourself. So let's say you weigh yourself once a week and every week it's the exact same number, it's reliable. However, when you go to the doctor, their scale is you know 10 pounds lighter. You realize that your scale is not correct, but it is reliable. It'll always give you the same answer every single time. Same thing if for our package of cookies. Every single time, I'm gonna get nine packages of cookies or nine cookies in the package, making it reliable, reliability. And this one is kind of synonymous with repeatability. That could be another way to remember it. So every time I repeat it, are we gonna be getting the same numbers every time? This is important in research and science, you know, making sure when we replicate our data and our findings that we are getting a reliable data measure and outcome. Remember, when you're looking at like test questions and real life examples, you can have something that is accurate, not valid, and the, you have to look at what is truly happening. So back to like the cookie example, I say, you know, I'm opening my cookies and I'm eating my cookies and I realize there's only eight cookies and then I got another pack of cookies and then there's nine packs of, or there's nine cookies in that pack. So for that example, it would be valid that what I'm measuring is cookies every time my measurement tool is valid. I am measuring cookies like I'm intending to measure cookies by counting them. Are the cookies accurate on the package? Does it say, you know, cookies may vary or does it say 10 cookies every single time? If it says 10 cookies every single time, it's not accurate. And then for repeatability or reliability, if I'm getting nine cookies sometimes, eight cookies others, seven here, then it's not then there's not repeatability in that. And those can all different change and be different on different situations. So make sure when you're looking at that, you're looking at each line individually and not assuming because one thing is true, the other has to be true. They all interact differently. So I hope that helps that make a little bit more sense. Oh, and then it doesn't have to be correct to be reliable or re reliability. The you know, like the same thing with like the scale example, scale is wrong. Or if your data for your therapist, if they're doing, you know, counting man and tax together as, you know, a manding skill every single time, they're reliable. It's inaccurate. It's not accurate measure. And it's not a valid measure because it's not measurements intended to, but they are reliable. So keep that in mind. They all play separate from each other. A little quick questions you can ask yourself. Is the data accurate? Is the data reliable every single time? And is the data actually measuring what it says it's measuring? That can be kind of through 
questions, you can ask yourself to simplify that down when you're looking at those questions and trying to understand which term this is or isn't. And then we're gonna hit on threats to valid measurement and threats to accurate and reliable data. And then we're gonna get into the little questions and then we're gonna be all done, guys. So we have threats to valid measurement, uh, indirect measures. So measuring something that is secondhand could be a threat because we aren't observing it directly ourselves. So issues with validity there, because you know it's being filtered from the actual event. You know, an example is asking your teacher how your child's day went or how their behavior went. First, like scoring yourself on the spelling test. And then measurement artifacts. So I mentioned this one back a few podcasts ago, measurement artifacts. This is when something is measured poorly due to the measurement tool or humans not doing it correctly. It's kind of that like leftover inaccuracy mistakes made by the measurement tool. So like for partial interval and whole interval data, there's measurement artifacts because of the measurement tool. There's gonna be missing information. That's a threat to validity. And then limited measurement options or measurement tools. So you might not be really capturing the behavior fully. It might not be the best valid measurement because it's the best measurement tool you have and that's okay. You have to be aware of the threat to validity. And then threats to accuracy and reliable data. So poor measurement systems. Again, a lot of these are gonna be the same for each other. And then observer reactivity. So if someone knows you're watching them, is observer reactivity, it's an important term to know. So if you are watching your therapist, they know, they're aware, they're, they're gonna be really nervous or really confident. Typically I find they're really nervous, so you might see some threats to accuracy and reliability there because they're being watched. Whereas before, when they're you know doing what they're supposed to be doing, and you weren't watching, it was going better. So that's a threat. Another important to know, term to know with like IOA and being aware is observer drift. So this one I see a lot with um, therapists who have been with the same kids for a while or aren't rotated often, or you know, like getting outside that like therapy bubble. Observer drift is where you start to adapt and get used to those behaviors. So you are less likely to count them over time because you're not as sensitive to them. So a good example is crying and screaming. In the beginning, you might be counting every single crying and screaming perfectly, but over time you're just like, eh, that's just them being them, it's whatever. Like you're so used to it, it's not even, that's not even a whine anymore, like eh. So you stop counting them as accurate or your data isn't as reliable. Reliability is not there because you've had that observer drift and you've drifted from the protocols, the procedures, kind of done your own things ever so slightly, or it could be a lot, it all depends. All right, a few quick questions for you, ready? Which one, these are all for IOA. I didn't do any reliability, validity, or accuracy questions. Those ones, just practice on some mock questions. You got it, don't overthink them. For IOA though, which one is the simplest form of IOA? Yep, that would be total count IOA. That's the very first one that we talked about. That is the simplest, easiest, least stringent one. Which one is the most stringent? Yeah, that's gonna be any of those mean ones. So mean duration, mean count per occurrence, um, and also the the partial agreement per interval one. All those are gonna be the most stringent. All right, 
I have a day sheet marked with pass-fail data. What IOAs are my options to use for that pass-fail data? Yeah, I could use interval by interval. If the pass-fail data is trials, I could use trial by trial. I could use scored, unscored. I'm not gonna use exact count because I don't have numbers. It's just pass or fail, so it's a plus or minus. So anything that involves those event count IOAs data, I'm not gonna use those. It's gotta be one of those options that I listed, which were interval by interval, maybe trial by trial, scored and unscored. Which IOA could be used for timing or durations? Yep, you could do total duration and mean duration per occurrence. Cool. Practice those guys. You guys got it. IOAs are not as scary as they sound or they seem. I am so confident you're going to study these and you're going to get them and you're going to commit. You're going to take my study chip and you're going to master IOAs and you're going to do amazing. All right, guys. I hope you have a great week. I hope you are enjoying studying and you're gonna pass really soon and it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna celebrate. You're gonna buy yourself something really cute and to celebrate or do something really special. And it's gonna be wonderful. All right guys, have a great week.